Welcome to the But Here We Go podcast, coming at you from But Here We Go Studios with the magnificent co-host, Ali Batir, and the regular Ordinary Joe co-host, Joe Batir. <laughs> Where is the self-loathing coming from? <laughs> it's called deprecating humor something like that. Can you hear the fire truck going by our house? I can hear it. Can you hear it? (laughs) Well, I'll let you know in editing. (laughs) So funny. We live so close to a fire station. We do. We have a lot of fire trucks that go by. People said that saved us during the snowmageddon of 2020. Uh, Whatever. I I don't think there was a ton of validity to the whole different grids because our street had power but all the streets around us didn't have power and we are right next to a fire station and a school that's neither here nor there that is not what we came to talk about today no it's not but i did want to say i just talked to a guy who is going to be talking on my podcast oh my gosh. all about distributed energy and do grids. you do you advertise our you advertise <laughs> if you don't if i don't get a shout out on whatever your pocket what's it called again energy, energy Transi- transition sorry, solutions sorry the name has changed before <laughs> <laughs> I just had to make sure i was right no i don't give shout outs well on. then refrain from using this as free <laughs> advertising it just comes up in conversation i don't just look for reasons or ways to add in did energy you transition know, solutions. I actually look for reasons to avoid telling people that we have a podcast. I know you have done that. <laughs> I You've done that while we are walking like and, and talking to right. people. And it's nice because I can just like pivot to be like, oh, yeah, I edit podcasts. Oh, these other podcasts. No need to ask me about the reason why I started editing podcasts. That's How did you start editing podcasts? You don't need to know. Why do you know how to do that? Right. It's- do you have a podcast? <laughs> Wait, but your husband has a podcast. Do you edit his podcast? I quickly go, oh, look at the time. And you're like, well, I gotta go. You want to know who is the best at repping our podcast, though? Our sweet friend, Caitlin. We're giving her a shout out. She alone, and I have witnessed it, will advertise our podcast and has gotten us additional listeners to where she's essentially our director of marketing at this point. Thanks. Hey, you get a free shout out. You can be the sponsor, not sponsor. (laughs) Oh, speaking of sponsor, not sponsor, I have been asked why the last two podcasts have not had sponsors. Apparently, this segment is very near and dear to a listener's heart. See, it is popular. And People to like that, it. To that, I say, send Joe a hat. <laughs> yeah, send <laughs> me a you hat. You know, last week we were we were talking a lot about stuff. I just want <laughs> very to, descriptive. <laughs> yeah, I just want to interject here with our sponsor, not sponsor of the week. Okay, that is drum roll, please. Amazon Web Services. Oh <laughs> Amazon Web Services, they are clutch when it comes to socks at corporate events. Oh, you want to know something really funny? Sorry to interject, yeah. but you talked about socks at corporate events during one of your other sponsorships, but I don't know if you know this, but I cut it out in editing. What? <laughs> Well, hey, that's what happened when you don't listen to our podcast. <laughs> I can do whatever I point. want. That's I have full point. creative control. Yeah, you are the creative director of But Here We Go Industries. So Amazon Web Services, their energy division, they've got these fun socks. There's these little icons that are like cool, fun, and hip, and they're all over the socks. 
I really like Amazon's colors. They're not Texas burn orange, which is kind of gross. They're a fun, festive orange that everybody looks at and it just gives you the warm, fuzzy feelings. Just like the warm, fuzzy feelings I get when I wear the socks. So if you're at any big, large corporate events, go grab some socks and you can send them to me because I like those socks. Let's move on. I just want to do a, a little teaser, which you don't know about, but I have actually bought you a hat that is going to be given to you on your birthday. Ooh. I have known at this company for a while, but I'm really excited for them to be our sponsor. Cannot wait. It's going to be my favorite sponsor, not sponsor section. If I'm anybody, just- If anybody out there wants to actually, if somebody wants to buy me a hat for anything, for sponsorship. The Bear Grease podcast has a very cool hat. Oh my God, you're just Bear not Grease telling on me? It. When I say make a birthday list of things <laughs> that you would like for your birthday, Here's the problem. you never provide them Here's to the me. problem with the Bear Grease podcast hats. They literally sell out the day of, and I don't find out they're even available until like three weeks later when I finally get to listen to the podcast. And I'm on it, babe. I'm going to do it. Yeah, good luck finding those hats. Done. I'm going to find one on eBay. Anyway, let's move on. Can we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Once again, I'm the one who discovered the things (laughs) we're going to talk about with the show. Well, firstly, we are recording this on a Tuesday, a full almost week before this usually comes out. If you're listening to this on Monday when it comes out, we are literally in Probably on a plane. Right. Back to Dallas from L.A., we are going to go take Jake to the La Brea Tar Pits. I was going to say, with La Brea, the Tar Pits, I am a little concerned that Jake is going to hes going to get freaked out by the whole process because he's been having these weird things where all of a sudden he's scared of something. And at La Brea, there, there are mastodons or woolly mammoths or something that are half- they're they're fake ones, but they're half sunk in the tar pits. I don't think you'll notice, but there. I mean, we go to we have a membership to the Perot Museum, and he goes there all the time and sees stuff like that. So we'll see. Anywho, back on track. This is science time with Allie. The Joe just happens to be. Yeah, I'm just hanging out. The ride I'm just asking clarifying <laughs> questions. Okay, we're going to end with my favorite story and start with the one where this is kind of like bringing back the segment. Um, Allie's freaked out about something. Yes, Allie's freaked out about something. Let's see if Joe can talk her off the edge. Right, right, right. Um, but I'm actually not too freaked out about this because of a movie we watched at the Perot Museum recently. Anywho, I'm going to get straight into it. On March 19th, so last week, the headline of the following came out. Antarctica and the Arctic are at least 50 degrees warmer than average. Earth's poles are undergoing simultaneously freakish extreme heat, with parts of Antarctica more than 70 degrees warmer than average and areas of the Arctic more than 50 degrees warmer than average. I just read that without my glasses on. Anywho, weather stations in Antarctica shattered records Friday as the region neared autumn. Um, So that's not good. 70 degrees higher than average. Do you know a lot of the Antarctic through your geothermal climate change studies? I don't know that much. I think that this sounds a lot like fear-mongering and clickbait from the sense- From PBS? 
from the sense that this is a record high. Right. I will say, to stop you there, I'm reading further and it says, this caught officials by surprise because they were paying attention to the Arctic where it was 50 degrees warmer than average and areas around the North Pole were nearing or at the melting point, which is really unusual for mid-March, which means it's not that they have never gotten to that point. It's just unusual for mid-March. In that vein, this is... This is a record high. That is a sign of climate change. It's a sign that things are drastically what? What's that face? <laughs> I would just like to say this is a great lesson in don't just read the headline, read the whole article. Oh, what else does it say? Okay, because I'm like skimming, right? Wait, so it was clickbait. I don't want to go so far as saying it's clickbait because all it says is Antarctica and the Arctic are at least 50 degrees warmer than average. So that is a true statement. It doesn't say anything else. It doesn't say, and climate change is like going to kill everybody. It doesn't say anything like that, which when I see a clickbait article, there's typically like a disaster or apocalyptic, apocalyptic language or something. But there's a paragraph halfway through that says, both Lazara and Meyer say that what happened in Antarctica is probably just a random weather event and not a sign of climate change. But if it happens again or often, then it might be something to worry about and a part of global warming. Yeah, I was going to add that in. What I was saying is that if this is a trend, which is what you see, I think, in the continental U.S., we have had more record highs more recently. So that is saying that the record highs are happening more frequently, which means you see a trend of warming temperatures. If that were the case in Antarctica, that would be part of that same climate change trend. Okay, so putting this together with my experience last week, I took Jake to the Pro Museum with some of his friends, and we went for the first time to see one of their 3D movies. So this movie that we're seeing was Dinosaurs of the Antarctic. Mm, and love them. We have, love them. We have said multiple times on the show how I'm not entirely sure if I am missing information because I was homeschooled or if like this is not something that normally people need to know. But I was not aware that the Antarctic was a complete tropical dinosaur-filled land. It's called tectonics. Right, because it's with Pangaea, and we didn't believe yep. in Pangaea back in the day. Yep. But it's there, all uh, from Pangaea. Uh, there was a funny... I'm trying to think. There was a weird... I'm looking it up. There was a weird name that it, that this Antarctic tropical part of Pangaea was. Pan, it was Tethys? No, it starts with a G, like Gong something. Gondwana? Yeah! Gondwana. Gondwana land. See, so did that you... That was another supercontinent. So Gondwana land was oh, right. pre-Pangaea. Yeah, there's been several supercontinents when all the continents and the continental place just kind of merge into one. Then eventually they break up again. Did you know about Gondwana like in your... No, you don't learn about okay. Gondwana during during high school or grade okay, cool. school or anything. I was like, what, Gondwana? That sounds dope. Anyway, imagine the Antarctic, except there's literally no ice. It's all tropical and they've got crazy cool dinosaurs there, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a little, it's a little bit of a misnomer calling it the Antarctic. Because it wasn't actually right, it at wasn't, Antarctic latitudes. Right. It was at tropical latitudes. Right, right, right. Okay. But it was talking about in the movie that we, I guess, didn't know that there were dinosaurs on that part of the world or whatever. For a while. For a while because it's like 
miles frozen. of ice. Right. But because of global warming, we've been able to get to like the tippy tops of whatever mountain ranges down there and have found fossil records of stuff. And so, again, I'm not a big fan of global warming. It's not cool. But positive silver lining, we could find a lot of really dope dinosaur bones. And don't forget, us in Dallas are going to end up with beachfront property. What? That is one of my favorite parts of the museum, though, because the Perot really likes to include a lot of not just Texas stuff, but uh, Dallas stuff specifically, because Dallas and the majority of Texas was under an ocean yep. back in the day. The and interior so, seaway. Right. And so a lot of, like, there's a Tylosaurus skeleton in the giant exhibit. Giant turtle. And the giant turtle that were found in Texas. Pretty sure both were found by Lewis Jacob. No Lewis way. Jacobs and his, and his crew. Oh, Bonnie is a paleobotanist. Right, right, right. Got it. Well, actually, I think she's even more specialized than that. She's not just a paleobotanist. She's a paleopollen person. She only looks at fossilized pollen. That's very specific. Very specific. But she does sound like the person we know closest to being the guy who made Jurassic Park. That just does. makes sense to me. Gondwana, look at that. So many things that we've learned. Are you ready to move on to my next science story? Do you have any questions about Antarctica? You seem like you're not concerned. Yeah, so did they say anything about the volcano? Uh, let me do a word search for volcano. Is it an active volcano? There's an active volcano on Antarctica, and some people have said, oh, the ice sheet's not melting. It's the volcano. It's getting more active. And you don't like that? I don't I don't know if I like it. Do you know think- what the name of the mountain is? volcano is oh it's something about death or burning hellfire you think that the name of it is mount burning hellfire something along those lines <laughs> it's mount erebus what does that mean uh that i don't care i was asking you the name not what it means erebus is probably latin for burning hellfire oh my gosh erebus in greek mythology Erebus or Erebus is the personification of darkness and one of the primordial deities. Can we small pause? You know how like people hate the word moist? Yes. So take the feeling of hating, Morbius. The, word, <laughs> hating the word moist, except opposite of just like loving a word. Primordial is the word that I freaking love. I don't know why. I just freaking <laughs> love that word. It just like rolls off the tongue. Primordial. The primordial deep. Oh, I love it. Wait, anyway. is it the primordial deep? That's what they talk about. Like uh, They like call it the primordial Genesis, deep? Genesis is the Is that what deep. it's saying in there? It's the personification of darkness and one of the primordial deities. It's the personification of darkness. Is not the personification of darkness the absence of light? The absence of light is life without God. Life without God is hell. Boom. I'm pretty sure I was right. Ezekiel 31, 4 through 14. The waters gave it drink. The primordial deep lifted it high, gushing out rivers around the place where it was planted, and then branching out in streams to all the trees. Okay. What were we talking about? I was, I got to move on to my next story. We were talking about Antarctica. No, to answer your question, no one is talking about the volcanoes on Antarctica. Nobody's talking about the volcanoes. Okay, that's fine. Let me, that's fine. We can move on. Check the news real fast. Um, Two days ago on Sci Fi, Ice cores reveal history of incredibly violent volcanoes. Oh, so they are talking about volcanoes. Well, I don't know if they're talking about Antarctica, though. Also, since when is sci-fi like... Yeah, since when were they a news outlet? 
Experts warn of dramatic sea level rise if Antarctic volcanoes erupt. Oh. Over 100 volcanoes may be found in Antarctica. Does that mean Gondwana was extremely volcanic? That over 100? That's what it, here, hold on, it's a link. Let me click it. Antarctica volcano warning after scientists suggest eruption could cause sea level rise. This was in December. Antarctica is home to a number of volcanoes. Okay, a number is very different. A than, number is Believe it or not, different. over 100 volcanoes are scattered across Antarctica. Scientists recently uncovered the largest volcanic region on Earth there, two kilometers beneath the surface of a vast ice sheet that covers the west side of the continent. But if those start erupting, that's going to melt a lot of ice. More importantly, it will cause a layer of water in between the rock and the ice. What that does is that acts like a slip and slide. So it reduces the friction, and now that ice sheet can just slide right on off. The greatest slip and slide in history. Or is it the worst slip and slide in history? Speaking of worst, do you want to guess the name of the second active volcano on Antarctica? It's going to be something British. Deception Island. Oh, that's the one I was thinking so of. dope. Who named that? That was the one I was thinking of. <laughs> I think it's called Deception Island because you're walking it up on like it. It sounds like a theme park. And so this was in a book I read once back when I used to read. It's called Deception <laughs> Island because everything's flat and you're walking and you're walking and you're walking. And then all of a sudden there's this like huge chasm and then there's this island out there. When we're talking about ice, though, it is. it makes me think of that movie that we watched recently. Tomorrowland? I think it was... And Chris Tom- Pratt, like, went into the future. The Tomorrow War. Yeah, I thought it was really good. But also, ironically, the perfect segue to my next story. Because my next story is about aliens. Aliens. Oh, wait, so aliens have always freaked me out. Was it the green, the really long fingers, or the oblong heads? it's just the fact that if they exist, I'm going to have to wrestle with that I hope you don't have to wrestle with that. (laughs) No, no. I never was afraid of aliens hurting me or abducting me, because I always and still do believe that if, for some reason, aliens do exist and make contact, I don't think that they would be like warmongering aliens, like the movies all say. So I never was fearful of that. I was just like, how the heck am I going to reconcile the existence of aliens with my faith? Like you can, the whole dinosaur question about the Bible, you can have debates about that back and forth. But aliens, there is no aliens in the Bible. Like you have nothing from scripture to address that topic. And so it always very much, I just like pushed it in the back of my head. And then also truthfully, I just don't think aliens exist. So I don't really think about it that often. But um, I am currently reading a lot of books. I think I'm on number 28 or 29 right now since the start of the year. But one of the books that I picked up was recommended on the Biologos podcast. The author was interviewed on it and I decided to pick up her book. Let me plug it. The woman interviewed, her name is Leslie Wickham. She is a some sort of scientist. Oh, an astronautical and aeronautical engineer. Anyway, she was being interviewed because she started, grew up evangelical in the Christian faith and actually didn't do anything science related. Like she got her undergrad in like political science, I think, but then went back to grad school to get her aeronautical, astronautical engineer degree somehow. But now she works for NASA. And she worked on the Hubble telescope and then the new telescope that they just sent up into space. She was talking about her experience as a believer um, and science, and her book is called God of the Big Bang, How Modern Science Affirms the Creator. 
The first half of it was pretty like stuff I've heard before. I've read a lot of books about faith and science, but there was an entire chapter on aliens. And let me tell you, it was the greatest like Christian explanation of the topic that I've ever read. And I really wish she just wrote the entire book about Christianity and aliens and science because it was just that fascinating. We saw a mock-up of that new satellite when we went to NASA. Oh, you're right. We did. Anywho, so she spent a lot of um, the prior chapter to this chapter talking about just like the fine-tuning. The, it's called like the Goldilocks principle. I'm sure you're aware. Yep. Would you like to explain what the Goldilocks principle it is? We are in this Goldilocks window between us and the sun that makes life possible. With that, there are things like the moon and the moon's gravitational pull. There's the tilt angle of the earth, our distance from the sun, our travel around the sun. All of those things make life possible on the earth. And then there are other extenuating circumstances, like the fact that we have an atmosphere, which requires, some people think, extraterrestrial input from asteroids, from meteorites, all of those kind of things that help us make the atmosphere. And everything that it took to make life is mathematically impossible. Right. It's essentially saying everything has to be just right for us to be here, that the mathematical probability of that happening by chance is like impossible. So the, that chapter talked about how that is such a great way that science points to a creator and a creator God, because everything has to be so fine-tuned for us to exist. And then she, when she went into the alien chapter, she kind of built upon that logic of the Goldilocks principle in the sense of like, there's a couple things we know to be true. If aliens did exist, they would have to be made out of the same stuff that all of everything else is made out of. So they would have to be carbon-based life forms. What we know about carbon-based life forms, i.e. us, and we know this because we've tried to send ourselves into space, etc., is that space takes a massive toll on the human body to the point of like, if we, I think, have they... Are they talking about sending humans to Mars? Oh, yeah. Right. Of course they are. Mars is about like the only place that humans will probably ever go. She was talking about how it's going to be robots from here on out because not just the time it's going to take to like explore deeper space and stuff, but like because our bodies cannot live and survive properly in at least a healthy way in space, let alone traveling light years away. Like that's just not possible for a human body. No one's been able to do like cryogenic sleep chambers or whatnot. That's like pure science fiction at this point. Based on that logic, whether or not they look like us, they would be under the same requirements that we as carbon-based life forms are at. So they would also have a physical toll taken upon their bodies, especially over longer travels. If anything, we'll probably see a robot, not our carbon-based life. Oh, because it's not it's not efficient nor maybe even possible for another carbon-based life form to travel at that speed and or length of place. But the other thing is, and she knows this because she works on the telescopes, is that we have been able to see via the telescopes and we've sent Everything. satellites very, very far. I've seen it all. And so based on that knowledge, we know... For a long while, any which way from us, yeah, something like there's absolutely hundreds nothing. or thousands of light years Right, away. there's absolutely nothing. And so purely based on that information, not even saying, again, aliens may be out there somewhere. Who knows? They would never be able to get to us. And so you don't have to worry about it. Boom. Boom. And then to put the little cherry on top of her little chapter, 
even if aliens did exist, we serve a God who, who created everything, every yeah. single planet, every single star. So if he happens to he create aliens, then that's also part of his creation. He made those aliens. But we'll probably never even have to cross that conundrum. So it was like my favorite thing I've read. Do you think that if there are aliens, are they in heaven or do they have their own heaven? All I, um, and I don't remember if she talked about this, but essentially all we know is that humans were created in God's image. Going off of that, I can't really extrapolate off of that. There's nothing in scripture that says anything about aliens or any other creature that, oh, that reminds me of something else she was saying. Have you ever watched like a movie or a show, like a documentary on like alien abductions and stuff? Yes. I won't watch them. They scare the crap out of me. Why? Because I'm like, I don't, I can't explain that. And like all the UFOs that they've been seeing lately, you know, like the US government yeah, did that, that UFO I think, reports. Yeah. But it's essentially like 95% of all weather UFO seeing, so unidentified flying objects. Or drunk people. Are either completely explained, like they were either not actually seen or they're like, like government projects that are working on that like the average citizen doesn't know about hallucinations or they if they're not like a government object like that we can actually trace and like confirm they typically occur these, these sightings occur in parts of the country with heavy occult presence okay. and like witchcraft situations again that's like the group hallucinations etc but five percent of all of them have not been explained Ooh. Right. That's unsettling. But she was saying... There's a lot of things that haven't been explained. Right. But she was talking about how we don't have explanations for it. It doesn't mean that we won't ever have explanations for it. But then she started talking about um, the multiverse. Ooh, the multiverse. And like grappling with the multiverse and if that is real or not. To which she was like, I can't say whether or not... The multiverse is real, but we do know that we have the dimension that we humans are living in. There is a spiritual dimension. And so maybe that 5% of UFO sightings is those blips of time where the spiritual dimension crosses over into our dimension. And I was like, it's trippy. It was a really interesting book. I highly recommend it. Well, good. That You've sounds... never like, you just don't care about aliens. You're like rocks, mountains, soil. I don't worry about aliens too well, much. Well, not even worry. You've never been interested in aliens? Yeah, I mean... You just don't think they exist, do you? I think the hard part is that when you're talking about aliens, basically everything you've just said, the the Goldilocks planets, the ones that are in that distance away from their sun, that they may be able to sustain human life. Basically, they have the same thermal properties as the Earth. Just from a solar radiation perspective, not to mention all the other aspects, right, right, right. there's so few of them, they're so far away that it's like, we're never going to be able to get there. That is almost, and I say almost as a very, very long almost, it's almost like talking about prehistoric people crossing the Bering Strait Bridge. That was a multi-generational process going across that Dang, was the it Bering really? Strait. Yeah, because it's hundreds or thousands of miles you're probably not just going to go. You're probably walking, following animals and hunting and gathering. So you're not going to do all of that. Like you're not going to walk from Alaska to they weren't concerned to Arizona, right? Early mankind was not too concerned about exploring the Great Frontier. Yeah, they they didn't. 
I mean, there there was probably some of that. I feel like there's some of that in all of us wanting to see what's over the next ridge. Not me. I'm perfectly content with the ridges that be. Okay. Well, (laughs) (laughs) besides you, I feel like there is some... That's why I'm not a scientist. (laughs) Some oomph to go look. And I would imagine that there was some of that, which led them to the bridge in the first place. To think of it that way, where you are that generation getting on the magical spaceship that is going to take population a thousand light years away, even if we're traveling at the speed of light, that's like 50 generations. It's a long time. Yeah. I do have a question, though. Okay, question away. Did she talk about Autobots at all? Like, what about Autobots? What the heck is an Autobot? Are you oh, kidding? like AI stuff? Transformers. Autobots is assemble. Is any reputable scientist talking about Autobots? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but funny that you asked that. But she, come on, why didn't she talk about it? Uh, you know, actually, just a little bit. She actually did not talk about AI at all. I think that AI is so far away from... But people are already talking... This came out in 2015, so... yeah. Right. I feel like people are now talking about like the theological ramifications of AI and Yeah, stuff people like that. can, but we're autonomy still and souls we're still and... a long, long ways away from an autonomous AI. Um hopefully they'll not be here because that's another thing that freaks me out. I just if aliens were to be real, I would want them to be non carbon based life forms. What life forms are non carbon based? Autobots. Oh my god. Well, I mean, to that point, that's what uh, Dr. Wickham was saying, was like, we'll probably just see robots because their bodies, like ours, would not last the travel. That's what I said at the beginning, Joe. Wait a second. We It would just be AI robots. Yeah. Which is why we need to grapple <laughs> with the theological implications of AI. Fully autonomous, self-reflecting robots. Oh, man, I'm excited for Autobots now. <laughs> well, she didn't say she didn't call them Autobots. So she, it's not no, like Bumblebee is going to come up. But realistically, the spaceship transforms into a person that is, robot. That is literally what we're talking about right now. That's robots what you meant? that have. No, that's what Autobots are. They are sentient robots. This is also why I don't like because I love sci fi. Like, I really do love sci fi movies. Aliens kind of freak me out, but I love sci fi movies. But I honestly, I would appreciate if somebody made a realistic alien movie that wasn't, because like, again, like The Arrival or um, Interstellar, that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that was the most realistic space movie. It, it, did it grapple with some very like heady scientific quandaries like quantum whatever and black holes and relativity and all that just yes but i felt like i did it in a very thoughtful way kind of like that movie with matt damon about this the guy who's trying to survive the on martian Mars. i thought the martian was really realistic too there were no aliens you didn't have to worry about any of that stuff but it was like what are we humans going to do as we continue to explore the beyond i like those kinds of movies because that to me is like like i don't like mars attacks Definitely Love saw Mars. Hated. Why did Loved you like it. that movie? Because I freaking hated. It was not a comedy to Miss Allie. That's for sure. Well, there you go. Ice Autobots. <laughs> Autobots we are real. We both had two very different takeaways from that. Autobots are real. All right. We're going to go now. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye.